0: Good morning and welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It's Halloween. Are you feeling spooked out yet by everything that's going on? Afraid of underwear wearing men wielding hammer wielding hammers breaking into your house? Probably shouldn't be. Um, Anyway, welcome. Thank you so much for listening. You got to love to tease something stupid, completely stupid like that. What's more stupid about that, and I'm just going to cover it real quick because I don't really think it deserves a whole lot of attention. uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi's husband was at home in in San Francisco. The house was allegedly broken into by uh, a man who allowed the speaker's husband to go to the bathroom, make a 911 call. And then started beating on him with a hammer after the police got there. Um, I'm not saying, I'm not going to go into any conspiracy theories or anything because, frankly, we can't condone any kind of violence, especially violence that's uh, political. But really, political violence is not any different than any other violence. It's consistent with the uh, no-hate-crimes-to-see-here approach we take at the Lib where... Crimes are just what they are. But suffice to say this, had this person broken into someone else's house that was just uh, an everyday person or done this on the street, they would already be back out on the street in a cashless bail society, which the progressives are aggressively promoting. But it was Speaker Pelosi's husband and so now you have a federal crime in the making. I want to talk about today, by the way, we're here just uh, less than two months before Christmas, the biggest shopping season of the year. And guess what? There's 25 days' reserve of diesel fuel in this country. Now, the normal uh, held in reserve is. 38 to 40 days, about a little over a month, month and a half. 25 days of diesel fuel in reserve. For those that don't know and think that that goods and services, goods move by unicorns, glitter, and and, uh, uh, rainbows, diesel is the fuel that powers this country that moves things in this country, whether it's by rail, whether it's by boat, whether it's by truck. And diesel fuel prices are climbing. The fact that gas prices are going down has to do partly with the fact that the uh, president is draining the strategic oil reserve, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. and and uh reduced demand for gasoline which doesn't bode well for the economy by the way the economy that's strong as hell as president biden said Uh, so just a little couple little fun headlines there to start your week um i'm home now uh sorry for the incoherent probably podcast last week i do apologize for that Uh, feeling pretty good today still on uh, work restrictions i can't lift anything Um, after all you don't take a foot of colon out without having some major abdominal repercussions so let's move on shall we what shall we talk about Ooh, there's so many things. We could talk about the red wave that's going on, but I don't really want to uh, go over that. Let's talk about Twitter. Um, of course, you can find me on Twitter, Snake River, the SRL, Phil the SRL, there's Snake River Lib. Um But Twitter is an interesting thing happened over the weekend. President Biden tweeted out the fact that there were 55 companies that didn't pay any taxes and that because of the Inflation Reduction Act, companies that that uh, have revenue of one billion dollars or more are going to have their taxes increased. The numbers are very critical to understand here. Now We personally are against any corporation paying taxes because the corporations don't pay the tax. It's just factored into the cost of goods and services. And so a tax on a corporation is a tax on you and me. But let's just take that at face value because there were some fact checks, if you can believe it, on President Biden and his tweet. fact checks such as out of that 55 companies that he just threw out there, only 14 of them are gonna be subject to the, the tax remedies found in the Inflation Reduction Act, which we now know is not a real thing. Out of 55, only 14. So why didn't he just lead with that? Instead of saying 55 companies, why didn't he just say the truth? Which, I mean, that might be true. I'm Okay, don't get me wrong. But then to compare apples to oranges, he says, you know, it's the fact that only 14 of those 55 are going to be taken care of. In the inflation reduction act now if you remember back in was it 2012 with Herman Cain ran uh, I believe it was 2012 he had the 999 plan which was the 9% capital gains 9% income tax and 9% corporate tax flat rates across the board very simple Again, against the corporate rate, and I prefer fair tax, but for all you fair taxers out there, without eliminating the 16th Amendment, don't come talk to me about the fair tax. And while we could talk about the 16th Amendment and the Convention of States, which we'll also talk about today, um, right now it's not a realistic possibility. You'll never get you'll never get Congress to buy off on getting rid of the concept of income tax. You see, so as we go forward, we need to, we need to have an honest discussion on what the purpose of taxes are. If the purposes of taxes are for simple generation of revenue, then the way we're going about it is completely wrong. Making it so hard where people can be trapped, where people can face audits and have to uh, pay all sorts of fees and such, whether they were actually wrong or not, where you can call the IRS for help with your your taxes, but they're only right 25% of the time. And they are not accountable if you, based on the information you get from their health line helpline, make a mistake. How's that for a load of crap? A simple flat tax across the board. Again, the fair tax way better. Is a simple sales tax. National sales tax, which, by the way, includes a prebate based on the size of your household and nothing else. Not based on your income. It's not based on on anything. It's simply based on on the size of your household so that the sales tax that you pay for essential goods and services is essentially given back to you. So you pay, you know... They factor out based on the people of your household and they say, okay, this is how much, you know, how much you're going to get back every month. It's called a prebate. And so you get a check every month from the government. So if you spend less, you know, then, then you are, I don't want to say you're cheating the system, but that's how the system works. You know, you spend more, you pay more. You know, what could be more progressive really than that? You know, you want to go out and buy a million-dollar house? Well, you're going to pay some taxes on that. Of course, you know, you say 23%, which I threw that out there because, as I recall, that's the fair tax number. That eliminates payroll taxes, FICA, Medicare, Medicaid. All those things are, all those funding mechanisms are eliminated. And frankly, we need to have a discussion about that because that money is not in some lockbox somewhere it's in the slush fund and when that slush fund doesn't doesn't earn enough they go to the they go to the congress and they have to have appropriated money given to them to pay their bills and so if you're doing that you might as well just have everything in the slush fund to begin with but i digress i went too far out on that i apologize An honest discussion on taxes can happen. And because of Elon Musk just simply walking into Twitter, I would have loved to have been there, watch him walk in there with the kitchen sink. Which, by the way, Glenn Beck, who has a tremendous uh, historical archive and museum, wants to buy the sink from Musk. He feels like that's how significant it is. He has many letters from the founding, many documents from the founding and all through American history but he wants the sink because that's how significant that was Libs of course are going ballistic over uh, Musk taking over Twitter Uh, they're afraid of, of hate speech and racist speech and of course the all-powerful disinformation. We know what disinformation is, of course. It's information that does not advance the mainstream narrative. It might not be true. I'm not saying that 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 everything this disinformation is true. It's not, obviously. But neither is the narrative that's given to us by the mainstream media. I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. Hi, Jethro. And good morning. We're back at the lib. Sorry about that. My dog just came into the room. Um, wanted to cup, cu- touch on a couple of things, which if I were a Republican running for any uh, office in the House or Senate, I would be making taking a video and a, making an ad out of it uh, about my Democrat opponent. Um, And it was James Clyburn who last week stated that, well, not last week, as sooner than that, that, now remember, James Clyburn is the reason that Joe Biden's in the White House, the only reason. Congressman Clyburn made the statement that they all knew. Now, remember, as inflation started to spike under Joe Biden, actually started to rise before it started to spike. Transitory, nothing to worry about, nothing to see here. And in all fairness, a good deal of the spending started under the Trump administration. But with Congress controlling the purse strings, you can't actually blame Republicans or Donald Trump. Remember, Donald Trump is at his heart was a Democrat, although he ran as a conservative, won as a conservative, probably lost mostly because he's not actually as conservative as he led people to believe, but he stayed true to the concepts of, of uh, pro-life when it comes to abortion. He did work to cut regulations and taxes, but the spending, he signed it into law. Now, I don't think he had a lot of choice with with the governments everywhere across the country shutting the country down. But but uh, you know after all if the government's screwing it up the government's going to have to fix it. The problem is is that whenever government spends money, that's money that you don't have. And if you're just inflating the money by making it out of nothing, which is what they did, then ultimately. Uh, you're going to have to, at some point, pay the piper for that. And that's what we're doing now. But it started under under Trump. Yes, it did. But it accelerated when there was no need. The economy was already turning around, and um, and jobs were being being restored, not created. Joe Biden did not create 10 million jobs. If he would had 10 million people refer to the workforce, which... I shouldn't take it face value because we know that Joe Biden is a congenital liar. Um, I'm going to just for the sake of the argument. They were not created. They were restored. Fact is, is the labor participation rate is lower today than it was in February of 2020. Sorry about that. I'm just going to have to take another little break. Um, I'll be right back. And we're back, you know, when... Well, anyway, it doesn't matter why I was gone. Thank you so much for listening and for being patient as I convalesce and all the side effects of of my stomach and gastrointestinal tract waking up. Um, I wanted to just close out today... I know I was on a different tangent, but I actually just want to close it out right now. I want to talk about a Supreme court case that the court is actually starting today. And it's in regards to affirmative action. And, you know, I know we, we hear about Supreme court cases all the time and, 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 uh, what that entails and, and we, we know how it was last time. And, you know, we had all those cases back in the spring and summer. Um, We've got a case right now and I'm trying to find the name of it, but what it is is regarding um, two cases that have been put together regarding affirmative act action. This, this, A case similar was settled back in 2003 with Sandra Day O'Connor casting her vote in favor of discriminating against people, that is, for affirmative action, race-based affirmative action. What's at at stake here is that um, Asian Americans are being discriminated against at some of the most elite Colleges, but of course, it's not just elite. Because while Harvard is one of the cases, another case is uh, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And I believe that those cases were tied together in this case simply to make so that you have a continuity of message on whatever the outcome is regarding private and uh, public institutions. And so, what it is essentially, is that Asian Americans um, who normally would I hate advancing the stereotype, but we're going with what the stereotype is is that you know they they bust their butts through high school, they don't have any kind of social life they they just go to school and and work and have such high grades that 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 of course, they're way better than why it's not even to mention other people of color, which by the way, Asian Americans are considered people of color, except for when it comes to, um, affirmative action at education, ins- educational institutions where the quota system works against them, where they have to meet other qualifications. So it's not just good enough to get in with the best scores and doing everything you can in your life so that that you show what a great student you're going to be and what a, a great uh, alumni you will be. Now it's it's more based on, well, okay, but but did you really suffer? Growing up. We'd mentioned previously about how blacks who come here from other countries are taking some of those uh, people of color slots and, and black Americans, long term black Americans are saying that's unfair that they work hard, you know, because it makes it look like it's not necessary. The universities, of course, are claiming that this is to promote the diversity and that any time that you eliminate uh, race-based affirmative action in the uh, college setting, you're going to uh, reduce the number of blacks and Hispanics. Essentially, that's what it is. Uh, Black Hispanics and other uh, um, less fortunate people of color. You know, if you were white and disadvantaged, you don't have a prayer. They point to the fact that when California went to a uh, race-neutral admission system, that the numbers of people of color that went down were significant. Well, the question is, should somebody... Who had mediocre grades in high school didn't try, and your host would be included in that numbers, and certainly not somebody that excelled, should they be considered for some of the most prestigious colleges in the land? And that could be a state school, UNC Chapel Hill, very, very highly regarded. Most actual state universities, uh, KU here in uh, Kansas or even K-State, as well as MU over in Missouri, both these universities, or all three of these universities, very highly regarded, have much different standards for admission than do the smaller state schools, such as my alma mater, Fort Hayes State University. Are you giving somebody that barely got through high school the chance to succeed by getting them into Harvard where they're going to have tons of student debt, where they're going to have to take remedial courses just to even get to college level? Not all people of color have to take remedial source courses, on, but you're, you're missing the baseline here that I'm talking about, especially in light of the fact that the recent national report card said we've got a disaster coming. In the future, based on the last two years of uh, Randy Weingarten, the teachers union boss, shutdown of schools. So you're going to be hearing about this case, and I just want to give you a heads up on it. The difference is that between now and then, is you actually have a well. If you count Roberts, which you never really can, but six three nominal advantage. And if you're actually looking strictly at the law, there's no way that you could say that a race-based affirmative action program can stand. But here, let me go one step further with that. These universities, their defense is, well, we need to provide diversity on campus. You know, we, we're promoting diversity and we need people of all backgrounds to make our campus a better place. Okay, here's the problem with that. Many of these prestigious universities have separate dorms, separate student unions, separate graduations for people of color than they do for whites. So, how diverse is the university now? Mind you, it's all voluntary, and you know, if you want to have, you know, your your if you want to create a new historically based uh, uh, black or colored university, that's fine. you know, within your university, that's fine. I'm I'm not going to argue that. I think it's dumb, you know, but more power to you. But don't turn around and then argue that you need these people on your campus to promote diversity. Because if there's really two de facto campuses, which there are in many of these universities, then it's not about diversity at all. It's about tearing down meritocracy, you know, where people are judged based on themselves and not based on how many points they accumulate on factors over which they have no control, such as race, gender, skin, you know, skin color, nationality, ethnicity. People have no control over that. But yet you're going to establish a hierarchy for it. Maybe you should take a look at how things are going right now. Anyway, uh, that's all for today. Listen to us tomorrow. And we should have another one up and running. But until then, it's a Snake River Lib. Remember, my life matters. Does yours?